This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in His power and love even now as you listen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we, uh, we thank you for what you have, have done. And as we focus on what you have, have done and giving your son for us, as we focus on, on your love today from Ruth 4, we pray that you would speak to us through your word. We pray that you would prepare our hearts to come to the table and take part in the Lord's Supper. Uh, Father, we, we thank you that your love was so great for us that not only was Jesus born, but that his blood ran red as we sung earlier, that our sins could be washed white. We thank you that Jesus rose from the dead, that our Savior is alive, and we pray that, that, that the, his, his life, the, the Holy Spirit, would just be uh, speaking to our hearts right now as we study your word together, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, open your Bibles to Ruth chapter 4 this morning uh, as we conclude our Advent series today. The fourth Sunday of Advent is uh, a focus on love, and we see that love so clearly here in the last chapter of Ruth. If you are new um, with us today, uh, we have been walking our way through the four chapters of Ruth on these four uh, Sundays of, of, of Advent. So we're going to look at chapter 4 today. I'm going to cover the chapter really throughout um, this, this message. And so uh, we're not going to read the whole chapter together uh, before I begin. But if you'll turn to chapter 4 uh, and be, be ready to, to go, we'll be kind of walking our way uh, through this chapter as we, we look at the incredible love of our Lord. You know, the best stories are the ones that really kind of get you hanging and, and leave you hanging in suspense uh, until the next sort of episode comes up. And, and at the end of chapter 3, we're really left hanging in suspense because what happens in chapter 3 is that uh, finally what we were hoping for the entire time seems like it's about to take place, and Boaz indicates that he wants to marry Ruth, and so this whole beautiful love story just seems to be coming together. But then at the end of chapter 3, we're made aware of the fact that there is another family redeemer, another relative that's actually... uh, who has a legal right to marry Ruth that even supersedes that of Boaz. And so then we're like thrown, we're left hanging like, oh no, you know, who, who, is this, who is this other guy? Because we don't want Ruth to end up with him. We want her to end up with, uh, with, with Boaz. And we've seen their love develop and we want them to, to be together. Well, God, what we're going to see in chapter 4 is that not only is God going to make this love story between Ruth and Boaz work out, but God has a much bigger love story that he is making work out. So what do we see here in chapter 4 about the love of our Lord? And I want to encourage you, you can use the back of your bulletin to take notes. The outline is there. And the first kind of love that we see here is selfless love. Selfless love. So let's begin to walk through the chapter together. Verses 1 and 2. 
The Bible says Boaz went to the gate of the town and sat down there. Soon the family redeemer Boaz had spoken about came by. Boaz said, come over here and sit down. So they, they went over and sat down. Then Boaz took ten men of the town's elders and said, sit here, and they sat down. So kind of to recap things from last week. So the previous night, Boaz had indicated to Ruth that he, he wanted to take her as his wife, but there was this other family redeemer who, who really had a, a legal right that superseded his own, and so that if, if he desired to marry uh, Ruth, then, then he had to be given the opportunity. And so first thing in the morning, Boaz goes to get this straight with this unnamed man, and so goes to the gate of the town, which is where the Business would be transacted and does it in the presence of elders, so there will be witnesses to to what is is done. And it's interesting when he he sort of Boaz talks to this other guy, this other family redeemer. He never addresses him by name. In fact, the the phrase here in Hebrew, it's kind of funny. It's sort of a rhyming phrase. And really, the, the closest way that almost that you could translate it into English would be Mr. So-and-so. <laughs> and so, Boaz kind of says to this other guy, he says, hey, come over here. Hey, you, Mr. Mr. So-and-so, come over here. I, I, need to, I need to talk with you. Well, there's a reason why his name is not mentioned. Because the choice that Mr. So-and-so is going to make is going to guarantee that his name is not going to be remembered. Verses 3 and 4. He said to the Redeemer, Naomi, who is returned from the territory of Moab, is selling the portion of the field that belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should inform you, buy it back in the presence of those seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you want to redeem it, do it. But if you do not want to redeem it, tell me so that I will know, because there isn't anyone other than you to redeem it, and I am next after you. I want to redeem it, he answered. So in other words, Boaz says to this guy, he says, look, Naomi needs to sell a field in order to have money to live on. But if somebody from the family, one of the family redeemers, buys from her the field, at least the field can be kept within the family. Well, this guy immediately takes him up on the offer. But Boaz is about to drop a bomb. Verse 4, verse 5. Then Boaz said, On the day you buy the field from Naomi... You will acquire Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the deceased man, to perpetuate the man's name on his property. Now, here's what that means. Boaz says that, um, by the way, <laughs> if you buy this field, uh, it also means that you are, are obligated to, to marry this poor immigrant widow from Moab, Ruth, and so it means that you're going to have the responsibility of caring for Ruth and for her mother-in-law. And, <laughs> oh, by the way, if there's a child 
that comes from this marriage, you're going to lose the field as well. Well, the only way that this guy would want to actually do a deal like that is if he wanted to truly act in the spirit of a redeemer, which this guy certainly does not. And so he backs away like he's just seen a rattlesnake. Verse 6, the redeemer replied, I can't redeem it myself or I'll ruin my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption because I can't redeem it. You see, Mr. So-and-so isn't interested in ministry to the poor and the vulnerable unless there is some payoff for him. Old Testament scholar Ian DeGuid challenges us on this point. He says we often evaluate our involvement in evangelism and ministries of mercy according to the same scale as Mr. So-and-so. We ask, what's in it for me? Will it fulfill me? What will it cost me? In doing the arithmetic, we get the answers as completely wrong as he did because we have left God entirely out of the equation. We calculate and protect ourselves, and insist that two plus two can only ever equal four, and we may never know the blessing we have lost. Indeed, part of the message of the book of Ruth is that God's kingdom operates on a different kind of calculus, a new math in which the weight of fullness runs through emptiness. Mr. So-and-so didn't do that kind of math, so the numbers didn't add up for him. He clung to what he had and in consequence lost something far greater, something he never even dreamed of. But see, Boaz gets an A in the new math, right? Boaz is interested in the glory of God. Boaz knows that marrying Ruth is not going to be a financial win for him. But he's interested in and displaying selfless love. Aren't you glad Jesus displayed that kind of love for us? Aren't you glad Jesus left the glory of heaven to come to us and to be born in a manger? 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich for your sake, he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich, selfless love. The second kind of love that we see here is steadfast love. Steadfast love. Think about Naomi's story. So it began in chapter 1 when she left the promised land. Naomi and Elimelech leave Bethlehem and the promised land in search of greener pastures, in wicked, pagan Moab. But see, their humanly concocted, you know, man-made self-salvation project blows up when Elimelech dies. And then both of Naomi's sons die. And everything is, everything is torched. And you remember that, that Naomi, when she headed back to Bethlehem, she headed back there as a bitter 
individual. Right? She, she said, I, I went away full. I've come back empty. She felt like that God had abandoned her. But you see, we've been seeing throughout the book that Naomi has come to realize that God had not abandoned her the way that she had abandoned him. No, she's come to see that God's steadfast love, God's faithful love to his, his promises, his, his hesed, that beautiful Hebrew word, that God has, 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 has remained true to his steadfast love for her. And see, Naomi's story is like a microcosm of Israel's story. Because when does, when does the book of Ruth take place? What's the setting? It's the time of the judges, right? It's a time when, when Israel had left God. But what we see here is that God had never left them. God's steadfast love for them remained true. And he was going to display that by providing them with a godly king, David, who is going to come from this relationship that he's making happen in this book. Verses 13 and following. The Bible says that Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. He slept with her, and the Lord granted conception to her, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not left you without a family redeemer today. May his name become well known in Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. Indeed, your daughter-in-law, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. Naomi took the child, placed him on her lap, and became his nanny. You remember what Naomi had said when she was all bitter in chapter one? She said, I went away full and I have returned empty. But now Naomi's arms are full with this precious baby, this baby who will become the grandfather of King David. Verse 17, the neighbor women said, a son has been born to Naomi and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Have you ever been in a packed movie theater and, and it's like a suspenseful movie and like the plot, everything has just been going kind of in one direction, and, and then suddenly everything just turns. And when it turns, there's an audible gasp that goes out across the theater. <gasps> Verse 17 is that moment in the book of Ruth. Because you understand that this whole thing, it was not just about this love story between two people, Ruth and Boaz. This was not just about God's love for Naomi, as wonderful as that was. No, this book is about God's love for his people, for Israel, for us. David was going to come 
from the line of this relationship. And this is how the book ends in verses 21 and 22. Salmon fathered Boaz, and Boaz fathered Obed. Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David. And from the line of David is going to come the one born in Bethlehem, the city of David, Yeshua, Jesus. Luke 2, 10 and 11. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. That's what the book of Ruth has been about. Jesus is the Redeemer who says, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Even though in your sin you have left me, I will pursue you and bring you home. Jesus is the Redeemer who says, where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus is the Redeemer who has been hovering in the shadows of the story. And when we had a debt of sin hovering over our heads that we could never pay, Jesus is the Redeemer who stepped in and who paid that debt, who paid it with his own blood. As we remember as we come to the table in a moment, Let's pray together and prepare our hearts for that. So we spend these moments in, re- in reflection before the Lord. The Bible tells us that, that this is a time for us to examine ourselves as we take the bread and the, and the cup. This should be a time before we come to the table of a really self-examination in in God's presence. Where are you today? In a relationship with the Lord. Do you have a relationship with the Lord? Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? You know, if you don't, then the table has no meaning for you. The invitation is for you to step into His selfless, steadfast love today that has been displayed through Christ who loved you so much, loved us so much that he became one of us, lived the perfect life that you and I could never live. He was without sin, but he became sin for us on the cross, paid our sin debt, and then rose from the dead that we can have eternal life. That is the glorious good news of the gospel. Have you believed that good news? Have you received that good news? Have you received Christ? Turn to him today. Turn to him in repentance and in faith right now. That invitation is open to you. As believers, this is a time for us to to examine our hearts. Is there 
Is there unconfessed sin in our lives? Are we, are we, are we holding, holding, holding back, holding things within, uh, cherishing things in our lives that, that, are, that are separating, hindering our fellowship with God? Are, are there, is there bitterness in our hearts toward a, toward a brother or sister? Or unforgiveness in our hearts towards anyone? Things that we need to deal with now before the Lord in his presence before we come to the table. Let's spend a few moments just in quiet reflection as we do that. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin. But I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12: To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving Father, and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you to come to one of our services. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I could help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.